Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I love what he said in the video, how Advent is when we actually schedule our time around a certain event, a certain person. And I just want to share a couple minutes as I've been kind of thinking about anticipation. And I preached a message in homiletics class about a parable that Jesus told, and it's a parable of the ten virgins. And before reading this passage, I kind of glanced over it and didn't really understand it because it has a really kind of wonky context and it doesn't make any sense to us. But kind of the message of the parable is that there's ten virgins. There's ten virgins, and uh, Jesus kind of draws this contrast between these ten virgins. He says there's five that are foolish, and there's five that are wise. And so I was like, okay, what makes the foolish and the wise? Well, the story goes that the, the bridegroom comes, and they're all sleeping. So it wasn't that they're sleeping that, that he draws the, the conclusion. So they're all sleeping. They wake up. And the bridegroom kind of says whatever he says, you know, I'm here, I'm here. And they all kind of scurry around, they get ready. And five of them don't have any oil for their lamps. And in their custom, they would walk through the streets, it's kind of a processional, and they would celebrate the, the wedding on the way to the wedding banquet, which was kind of the big shebang of the wedding. So five didn't have oil in their lamps. And that was the Jesus, uh, the contrast that Jesus drew was that five were not ready. They weren't anticipating. They fell asleep. And when they woke up, they had no oil. And as I studied a little bit more, Jesus was telling this to his disciples. His disciples asked him, they said, give us signs of your second coming. How will we know about all these signs of the end of the age? And Jesus uh, gives them multiple signs, and then he tells this parable. And, the, and, and many scholars believe that Jesus is talking about the oil being the Holy Spirit, this kind of representation of the Spirit in them. So they did not have the, the Holy Spirit. They weren't ready. They weren't anticipating we're kind of moving through four themes of Advent in the next chapel services, and you'll see the candles. I can't see them. They're over there. We have the anticipation one lit today. We're going to be moving from, from anticipation to patience to hope to revelation. And how do we live in anticipation? How do we live in anticipation? I think we can live in anticipation today well because we have a hope. We have a hope. In the New Testament, it says, you know, we do not mourn like people that do not have hope. We have something that is a sure foundation for our souls. And hope changes things. Hope changes things. Anybody have, like, those relatives in your family that are always the late ones? Like, they say 6, and that means, like, 7.38. I know, I know, mom knows exactly. She, my mom's brother, their family is always late. Like, we have Christmas dinner ready. They're there, like, for dessert. It's like... It's ridiculous, dude. More food for me. But anyway, but hope changes things. If we're sitting there and we're at the dinner table and Uncle Carrie's not there yet, we're kind of all discouraged like, well, maybe they had another fight in their family and they're probably at a gas station somewhere pulled off. But then imagine he calls my mom and says, hey, we're 15 minutes out. Just keep the food, keep the food in the oven. We're going to be there. That changes things. Hope changes things reassurance changes things. We have a hope today. Amen? We have something that is all in common. Doesn't matter what denomination we're in. Doesn't matter what we kind of think about certain issues. We have a hope that centers us. We have a hope that grounds us. And that's just, that's really encouraging to me today. Paul, Paul writes in Romans, Romans 8, I'm going to fix this, this is annoying. Uh, he writes in Romans 8, 
he writes, let's, let's find it, 17, there we are. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Wow. Wow. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth, worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. They're not worth comparing at all. There's no comparison. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be, revo- to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we have the oil in our lamps, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is, not, that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. We have something that we're looking forward to. It's the Christ return. The theme of Advent, you know, we kind of recognize the historic waiting of, for Jesus, the Messiah, for the Jewish people. But for us, it means something a little more, a little bit different. It means that we're waiting for Christ's second coming, the resurrection of our bodies, the salvation of our souls. And I, I challenge you today, if that's kind of off your radar, I would, whatever you need to do to get it on your radar, it probably should be on your radar because Jesus talks about it very seriously. He says, there's five foolish. They didn't get to go to the wedding with the bridegroom, the bridegroom representing Jesus. And there was five wise. They had the oil in their lamps. They were anticipating. Why were they anticipating? They had a hope. They had a hope. So I believe we're going to hear uh, some scripture and then we're going to take communion. Hear the word of the Lord this morning from 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 